Welcome, True Believer readers, to Let's Read Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, a division of Let's Read Spider-Man, a proud member of the PacePot Patreon Podcast Network. The PacePot Patreon Podcast Network is home to many great podcasts. One that might interest you is a podcast about the best Italian food. Ooh, Italiano food. Sounds good, James B. Join Firelord each week as he discusses pizza, the best food in the universe. Join him for his podcast called Just Thinking About It Fills My Palate with Savage Desire. Each Thursday at 11 a.m. on the PaySpot Patreon Podcast Network. I like that that podcast includes a quote from our previous book with Firelord. But he's got quite a temper if he doesn't get his pizza. I don't know if that podcast is going to hold up very well. Well, he's very passionate about it. So, I mean, that he is. But there could, I, I think he's just going to melt his microphone if he tries to podcast. <laughs> Speaking of things not working out exactly, Eddie, there's some things going on with these books we're going to cover today. Uh, I'll tell you that 107 is the most important issue today, and 105 and 106 are related to each other. But the annual falls chronologically between 106 and 107 in the timeline, but it came out to newsstands after 108, and I didn't know where to place it, so we're just going to cover it first, okay? Yeah, crazy timeline, but from October of 1985, Stanley presents Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, Annual 5 Ace by David Beecham and Rubenstein. It's Peter David. That's why it throws you off sometimes. It looks like a first name, doesn't it? It does. I'm like David Beecham. <laughs> wrote wrote a good run on Hulk. I think he's mostly oh. known for that. But I think Hulk is when he when he turns into Gray Hulk, gets his oh, intelligence. Yeah. Like he. Okay. Anyway, the annual starts off with the aftermath of a war between the Reapers and the Dragon. Jean DeWolf is there in her off-duty clothing, which is a green dress, which receives many compliments, including by Vince DeFeo who names his attackers as members of the Reapers. Uh, Spider-Man investigates and sees a suspicious man on a motorcycle and snaps some photos. Drawn as a combination of Michael Jackson and Prince, we are introduced to a gang member, Ace. Yes, I should mention here that Ace barely ever speaks at all uh, in this book. He's usually stoically gazing at things and aggressively riding his motorcycle around. Uh, the little curl on the front of his forehead, too, always seems to be there and available uh, to block his eye slightly, too. Well, Eddie, in my research, I should mention here that I saw Mark Beecham, the artist, tends to be criticized in the Comics Buyer's Guide reviews on a column for his, quote, obsession with the female rump, close quote. He does have a lot of back shots of DeWolf, but later I see lots of shots of other women and actually other men shot from behind. It didn't bother me, but I agree that there are a lot of images like that, and I should at least acknowledge it. <laughs> yes, I, I would say this is accurate. Lots of back shots. I should also uh, mention that DeWolf is depicted very feminine here in this book. Uh, she, she looks dressed up for a very 80s night out in her dress with big shoulder pads too so why don't you continue with our story james b after ace has his non-gang home life shown to the reader he comes across a gun-toting disabled war veteran traveling along the street and has a conversation about ace's brother lorenzo and lorenzo's involvement in the shooting the veteran here it, he makes a point of telling us readers that ace 
doesn't intervene in most street matters. He keeps to himself like the veteran taught him. In the law and order part of this story, we transition to Peter Parker in his non-superhero life as he meets Joy Mercado, a new Bugle reporter. They travel to the court where they learn victim DeFeo dies and Spider-Man seeks out Ace as a witness. Searching for Ace, Joy gets taken by the Reapers and the young men guarding her kills gets killed when the dragons attack. Ace, who has some speed powers, enters the room with Spider-Man and envisions the dead youth could have been his own brother. The book ends with Ace telling his brother he will be testifying against him for the murder Lorenzo committed. Uh, you mentioned in here that he has some speed powers. It was unclear to me, James B., whether Ace was a super-powered person, and I had to look it up. The internet says... He is. He has a super agility, and it's interesting to see how he can predict the movements of whoever he's fighting. In this case, Spider-Man. Spider-Man has a lot of trouble with him. Yeah, I also, I don't know why we kept looking up this book either. I think I had a problem because I couldn't place the timeline, so I had to go do my internet research because things were happening out of order in this book, and then that's why I realized it was really misplaced. It was written earlier. And yeah, I ran to Ace too, and it referred to the fact that he would be back in the next annual. Really? We'll see him again. I'm, I'm not too sad about that. He, I like his like stoic, silent, kind of too cool for school character. I'm okay with the fact that if we have to spend any time investing in a character that you can come back as long as I don't have to retell the entire <laughs> tale of it. If I, I don't want to start a story over and over again, but I, yeah. I do want to get on to the next story because I'm, I'm already done with this annual. All right. From July of 1985, Stan Lee presents Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 105, United We Fall, by David McDonald and Breeding. Spider-Man sees a building on fire, so he crashes through a window to look for survivors. Finding only a dead, burnt body, he queasily takes the pictures, and surprisingly, Joe Robbie not only buys them, but is able to identify the dead victim as Robert Sanchez, a union leader. Robert Sanchez's son, Robert Sanchez Jr., accuses a board of trustees of murdering his father. One member of this group, Eddie, is Janet Van Dyne the Wasp. (laughs) Spider-Man and Janet think organized crime might be involved. Spider-Man checks out the mansion of mobster Vincent Granetti, and Granetti admits that he did it. But Spider-Man won't be able to prove it. Meanwhile, Paladin, who is working for Grenetti, tangles in the park with Van Dyne. The fight is silly, as they are friends. But Paladin wants it to look good for his reputation. At one point, Janet turns into hero form and asks the surprised Paladin, Why do you think I'm called the Wasp? To which he replies, Because you're a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. To which she replies, Well, that too but it's mainly because I'm wasp-sized when I shrink. (laughs) This flirtatious uh, meeting is so weird to me because, like, Paladin is so doinky compared to the wasp. They're they're dating, right? Is that what's going on? No, they're just flirting a little bit. I, I, well, I looked it up. It seemed like they were dating, which I was stunned by. Paladin looked is, it up and they were dating? They're not dating. Yeah, there's a, no, there's a time when Wasp breaks up with Hank Pym briefly, and Paladin inserts himself in there as her 
love romantic interest he he's so level c you know like c character compared to her i almost read an avengers book but i didn't james (laughs) (laughs) why would i do that (laughs) well apparently one reason to keep reading this book is the wasp's negligee (laughs) because it was the only clothing that she treated so it was the only clothing that shrunk and regrew with her so she sits down at a country club in her underwear Prompting Paladin to ask the waiter, what are you staring at? The waiter replies, the lady's figure. (laughs) Paladin then says, let's get two rum and Cokes. Light on the Coke. What a book. (laughs) The story continues in the next issue, but after reading about Paladin, the Wasp, much silliness involving American Express jokes and an utter lack of Spider-Man, I think I know where the Marvel team-up storylines have gone to, Eddie. Yes, yes, you have found a post-mortem Marvel team-up, James B. Uh, so much Marvel team-up in these storylines, and none of them are the good Marvel team-ups, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, maybe in, in, maybe we'll get one of those abrupt endings to this multi-book storyline, uh, and it'll be all over next book, James B. Or maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Well, let's give let's give the listener 15 or 20 seconds to predict what's going to happen in the next book. Let me use the thinking music that we use from our Web of Spider-Man books right here for a second. All right, listeners, hopefully you had a chance to predict what's going to happen in the next book. <laughs> Go ahead, Eddie. From August of 1985, Stanley presents a Peter Parker in the Spectacular Spider-Man 106, No Fury. Once again, by David McDonald and Breeding. Yeah, they, they did change artists here. Spider-Man recaps that Van Dyne owns a company, Neville, which owns a shipping company, Northeastern, that Gangster Ganelli wants to buy to use for shipping drugs for his own company. Janet tells Spider-Man she has a plan to catch Ganelli in the act, so Spider-Man heads to the docks, where a grapefruit shipping boat is being guarded by Paladin. <laughs> Guns are fired, and an innocent bystander is shot. Spider-Man and Paladin get taken out of the fight because they are both willing to help the innocent bystander. Paladin's guarding a grapefruit shipment is about appropriate for his character. (laughs) I can't stand his wishy-washy morals. He, like, decides he's going to help out the innocent civilians here, but he's working for this awful person as a mercenary, and he's complaining about it, too. It's almost as bad as his knockoff G.I. Joe outfit. Really, G.I. Joe? I think Robocop when I see him. It could be a combination of two, but it's something about like the, quote, armor that he has on that reminds me of G.I. Joe so much. Mm-hmm, right. Well, speaking of children's toys, the Wasp shows up to stop another shipment, but this one's full of teddy bears. <laughs> this is the real shipment because we learned the grapefruit shipment was actually grapefruit, so that was a fake one. Uh, the Wasp battles the thugs in another gunfight, and they flee. The teddy bears are full of powder, and it's sugar. Haha, I fooled you guys. <laughs> kind of dumb, but there are three shipments, and the heroes all converge on that final location, which is a train. After a third battle, Wasp and Spider Man win with an assist from your G.I. Joe knockoff wearing Paladin. Jet and Paladin flirt quite a bit. They have some fun wordplay. Still don't think they're dating, but, you know, it is what it is. And now it's time for a segment called James B.'s Favorite Page. 
Eddie, we're going to read the last panel of page 21 and the final page, which is 22. Uh, do you want to be Janet Van Dyne or everyone else? Uh, give me Janet Van Dyne. So I've got, this is going to be a sequence involving uh, Grinelli. Yes. Spider-Man and Paladin. Okay. Paladin says, I'll give you a buzz about Club Med next week. Will you wait by the phone for me? No. I'll hire extra help. They'll wait by the phone. And you're right, Webbs. I am good help. Too good for Grinetti, Spider-Man says. That's it? He cozies up to you and then waltzes off, Jan? Sheesh. What's that guy got anyway? A certain je ne sais quoi. And that means? I don't know what. If you don't know what it means, how can you say it? You're kidding, right? <laughs> You'll never know. And the villain says, You still haven't won, Chicky. The Neville board members are all dead men. I'm not finished. Yes, you're finished, and that's Miss Van Dyne. Got it? Uh, and she's grabbing I uh, said, got it, jerk face? Yes, Miss Van Dyne, says Grinetti. I'm sick of your threats, Grinetti. I'm sick of your slimy dealings, and I'm sick of you. The police are on their way. Consider yourself lucky. Stay away from me, Grinetti and Neville, if you're smart. Spider-Man, watch them until the police get here. Spider-Man says, yes, Miss Van Dyne. Thank you for listening to James B.'s favorite page. <laughs> Eddie, it's she's just running all over these guys. It, she's got them all eaten out of her out of her palm. It's a beautiful departure from how she's cast throughout these books as being Spider-Man says it ditzy almost, which I think is rather insulting. But yeah, but it's 1980. What's it? 1985. Now, 85. Right? Yeah. So this isn't the Wasp from the 60s. Right. This Wasp is different. She's running the Avengers. She's, you know, apparently, according to you, like, you know, not with her man because she right. can't put up with this nonsense. She's 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 running a company. You know, she's taking out villains and you know, she's supposed to be kind of a badass. Yeah. And she's just playing everybody all over the place because she does the same thing to the board members when she's in the meeting, too. She brings them coffee. They're like, can you get us a coffee? And then she brings them coffee and she's. They're just like talking and she just broadsides them with all this information. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's, that's the best part of this book, James B. Good, good call on reading those panels. Thanks. And this is, the, this is not the best book of the four, I don't believe, at least the least important, because the next book is the book we really need to talk about. From September of 1985, Stanley presents Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 107, Original Sin by David Buckler and Breeding. Fatally Shot Dead, James B.'s favorite supporting character, Jean DeWolf, shares her backstory as her life flashes before her eyes. I want to take a moment to say, I like stories better when characters can die, but that doesn't mean I'm happy to lose Captain DeWolf. No, no, no. It's a stunning opening. I, I totally agree with you, James B. Uh, I didn't know what to think about this, but I'm not happy either. DeWolf is a main character. Killing her without this buildup. Like, we don't even know what happened. There better be a really good backstory here. Well, the story is broken up into a few distinct acts. After beating up some street punks who mugged Aunt May's newest tenant, Spider-Man finds out from the police officers on the scene about DeWolf's death. He travels to the police precinct 
which leads him into the car of the lead officer on the case. He learns that all the cops are working on the case, and they respect Spider-Man's relationship with the wolf. He gets some details and isn't as upset as I am about the situation. <laughs> I'm sorry, James. We're going to have to have a counseling session after this show. Uh, you do mention these punks that beat up Mr. Pop- Popic, one of Aunt May's boarders, for money. Uh, I think it's interesting when the punk gets arrested by the police, he says, I want him, referring to Spider-Man, arrested. He used excessive force and harmed me grievously in other stuff. It's fun to see a punk try to game the legal system. We're going to see slippery criminals like this well, later on in this issue, and quite a bit in the future, too. Daily Bugle characters also discuss her death, what types of people deserve to die, and a black reverend from Atlanta, Reverend Jackson Tolliver, is introduced as a new character. In a related holy scene, we see a young white man asking to give confession at another church. Uh, Daredevil takes up two pages, reintroducing himself to the Spider-Man readers as he attaches his billy club to a helicopter and uses it to transport to a court hearing where he reduces the bail of the street punks that Eddie likes so much from Act 1. <laughs> An enraged Peter Parker lets him know how he feels about the situation, and Matt Murdock reminds the reader that he knows Spider-Man's heartbeat and that this is clearly Spider-Man. Yeah, I, he knows this is Spider-Man. Mr. Popic is also quite enraged, but this anger that Peter Parker shows in the courtroom I think it's his vigilanteism that he usually has when he's taking charge of Spider-Man. I'd like to remind Peter that we have a legal system for a reason. J. Jonah's right. You can't just do whatever you want, Spider-Man. Matt Murdock is questioning his public defender role with one of his mentors, who's the judge on the case. The book ends in the judge's chamber, where Matt Murdock hesitates from stopping a gunman, He hesitates because it would reveal his powers and his daredevil identity. The reader sees that this is the same weapon that killed the wolf. And the book ends with the judge of this case being fatally shot. Well, isn't it crazy how Matt Murdock is worried about being exposed as daredevil so much so that someone gets killed? Don't you think that's extreme, James B.? It's, It's a powerful book. It's bookended with murders and you know, tough decisions and stuff, of course. Yeah, starts and ends with murderers. And I'm going to take a minute to describe the murderer we see at the end. He's got a ski mask on, he's carrying a sawed-off shotgun, and he's wearing, I think he's wearing a sweater with some purple pants, actually, is what's going on. Uh, Not your typical super-powered character here. Yeah, no, it's, but, you know, I don't know because we did 105, 106, 107 in the annual, and then I couldn't read 108 yet because it's in the next podcast. So True. So, Eddie, if people wanted to send us their condolences for Gene DeWolf, how could they reach <laughs> yeah, us? Send us some counselors for James B. people. Uh, you can email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com or click on the link in this podcast description to join our discord channel and connect with us through social media i'm james b joined by eddie and remember listeners that let's read peter parker the spectacular spider-man is a division of let's read spider-man a proud member of the pay spot patreon podcast network if you enjoyed this podcast you may also enjoy a podcast about solving your problems oh 
Well, James B, that, that seems like something everyone could use. Learn that you can solve your problems by killing people so you can take over a company, or killing people who threaten to stop you, or killing people who are, after your stop, still on the board of a company. Join mobster Vince Grinetti each week as he shows you that he can just kill anyone he wants, whenever he wants, to solve all his problems. In his podcast, It Kills Me to Do This, each Thursday at noon on the PaySpot Patreon Podcast Network. Well, that was a dramatic turn of events, from problem-solving to murder. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. James B., all these books are so different, but we get enemies in descending order of coolness. <laughs> we go from super slick ace to doinky paladin to even more doinky murderer with a shotgun and a ski mask on. He's not even anything special. Uh, do you think this means Frog Frogman is going to be back next book, James B.? Oh, I would hope Frogman is back with the rest of the misfits, <laughs> Ollie and my good friend the Toad, but unlikely. Eddie, you know, when we did talk about that podcast recently, you brought up something your uncle said he's never going to retire. He's going to uh, die in the yoke. <laughs> uh, what, did your uncle ever retire? He never retired. <laughs> he did die in the yoke, actually. <laughs> no, just kind of left that out there. A lot of, yeah. All right, well, it's kind of fitting to mention it in this podcast. Yeah, I know. This is a dark ending to a dark podcast, James B. <laughs>